Hey fam, welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. Of course, I am your loving host, Dylan Bowman, here today with Helen Mino Faulkner, the young trail phenom from Truckee, California, who is on an absolute tear this season. Helen started her 2023 campaign with a win at a UTMB race in Argentina, then followed that up with a double victory at both the Broken Arrow 46K and the Speedgoat 50K, two of North America's toughest and most important mountain races. And at only 26 years old, Helen's stock is unquestionably on the rise. And in just a month's time, she's going to be lining up as a bit of a dark horse against some of the world's best at CCC during UTMB week. And I, for one, cannot wait to see her compete on that humongous stage. This was my first time ever meeting or speaking with Helen. I didn't know much about her, but it was super fun to chat, to learn more about her story and to help share it with more people in the trail running world. We talk about Helen's background, her experience practicing yoga, cultivating joy in life and in running, living in alignment with our values, her breakthrough 2023 season. We look ahead towards CCC and a lot more. Make sure you stick around to the end for Helen's amazing answers to our our closing questions. You won't want to miss it. And I hope you enjoy the episode. As always, a big thank you to Speedland, the presenting sponsor of the Free Trail Podcast. Have you ever seen a shoe with removable carbon plates? Well, no, you haven't until Speedland came along and pioneered this wild yet simple and elegant innovation, allowing a single pair of shoes to have two completely different yet equally enjoyable running experiences for different training and racing applications. If you're clipping off intervals or hill repeats, throw the plate in for some extra pop. If you're enjoying recovery or endurance miles, you can take the plate out for a softer, cushier ride. We're actually running low on inventory of the GS Tam, my signature shoe, especially in the larger sizes. It kind of makes me sad, honestly. The supply is dwindling and will soon disappear forever. So you should go grab your pair right this minute. Runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 for a super generous 10% discount. We are still doing pre-orders for the GSPGH, the Cam Haynes Commission, which we're planning to ship in September. You can find those also at runspeedland.com and the free trail 10 discount does apply there also big thanks to speedland finally my dear friends i'd like to ask you all to please consider joining free trail pro our global membership community for passionate trail runners you get member only content like the rest day podcast you get access to our incredibly active slack community where you can learn about trail running where you can make friends and share your journey with a community of fantastic people. You get access to our robust catalog of training plans. You can come to our weekly office hour Zoom calls. You get exclusive discounts with our brand partners and on free trail merch. You get early access to registration for our events and a lot more. Membership is a very reasonable $10 a month or $96 a year. And there is a free trial. So come check it out. Appreciate you all for listening. Hope you enjoy the convo with Helen Red Cloud, Mino Faulkner. Helen, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hey, Dylan. I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? Great. As I said, when we logged on a Zoom, nice to meet you too. Nice to meet you. Um, so are you, uh, are you in Truckee, California? I feel like, uh, again, I don't know that much about you, so I'm looking forward to, to learning about you. Maybe let's start there. Where are you broadcasting from? Yeah, I live in Truckee, California, and I've been here for about five years. An awesome town. And where did you, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Redding, California, so Northern California. I lived in California pretty much my whole life except for college, the best state, California, <laughs> Northern California. Uh, well, cool. Well, I want to talk more about, you know, your background, your history with sport, things like that. But I've been playing with a fun sort of introspective ice-breaking question with a lot of guests on the podcast recently, which has been a really fun way to start conversations. And that is just a broad question of what makes you, you like, what are your unique personality traits, your unique strengths and weaknesses, and how do they show up in your life? Yeah. Um, so with that question, I feel like a lot of the time people, we like think of these little identifiers or these descriptors that we tie our identity to. And I've actually tried really hard not to do that just because I feel like 
when you have these things that you decide that are who you are, that you need to uphold that even when it's not making you happy. So when you describe yourself as like, hey, I'm a trail runner or I do this for work or this is what makes me happy. If that changes, then it's really hard to be okay with that change because you have wrapped your identity up in that label. Because at the end of the day, like whether or not I run, whether or not I do anything that I do, like I'm still me. That's a fairly profound answer and a fairly profound realization, especially to have at a fairly young age, I think you're in your mid twenties now. And I think a lot of people kind of struggle with that identity issue. Is this something that has come into your life recently or, or how did you arrive at this fairly mature, evolved and, and uh, you know, semi-profound realization or understanding of yourself? I think it just comes down to like the end of the day, I want to have like a deeply satisfying existence and whatever that means. And so that can change, right? Like at one point, and like, we'll probably talk about this later, like I hated running and it did not make me happy and I didn't want to do it. But I felt like because I decided that I was a runner that like I still needed to. And so I had a really hard time of like letting go of that And I mean, now I find running, like there's nothing that makes me happier. Yeah. Incredible. But it's not all of what makes you, you. So I'll still be me even if I quit running tomorrow. Yeah. Where does Helen Red Cloud come from? Because that's your Instagram handle. And in your name, it says Helen Red Cloud Mino Faulkner. Is that part of your real name? Yeah, that's my middle name. Um, my dad and my brother actually have the same middle name. And the reason for it is my grandparents decided that middle, well, because typically middle names are like to honor someone. And so my grandparents like really respected Chief Red Cloud. He was one of the Native American chiefs that instead of killing people like there is I forget what the name of it is but you would go up and essentially like touch your opponent like whoever you were fighting against without them noticing and so he like kind of took a little bit more of a peaceful approach and so my grandparents really admired that and gave my dad that middle name and he gave my brother and I that middle name that's such a beautiful thing has your dad played a big role in your life and like have you guys had conversations about the significance of red cloud and is that part of like an influence that he's had on on you as well I honestly talked to my grandma more about it than my dad um but yeah I mean I think it ties in my dad has had definitely like a big impact on how I guess like I relate to the outdoors and like my connection to nature like that's definitely come from both of my parents awesome so before we go back in time and learn a little bit more about your history and your story, you posted a couple of weeks ago about serendipity and bailing on a project or an adventure that you had planned and that you'd been dreaming about. And it struck me as kind of an important post. So can you elaborate on that for the audience? Yeah. So I had some pretty ambitious plans this summer. Um, I wanted to run the Tahoe Yosemite Trail, which goes from Meeks Bay to Tuolumne Meadows, but I wanted to run it backwards from Tuolumne Meadows to Meeks Bay. So that's about um, another 30 miles from my house. And so I wanted to run to my house. And so it would have been 200 miles and I've never run, like the furthest I've ever run is a hundred K. But it was one of those things that like when I started planning it, I just got so excited. And I feel like that's how I know. And it's usually something that like, I think I should be doing. And yeah, just after all of these things, I had it all planned. I had my start date. I had like my friends meeting me at different places for food. And it was just like a weird string of events where like my Achilles flared up, which is completely gone now. It was there for like maybe a week and 
then I had a weird dream and all of my dreams are really, really realistic. Like I don't ever dream anything that could not happen in real life. And sometimes I get confused because I'll just like redream the day that I had. But I had this dream where I was trying to run and I wasn't going anywhere. I was just like running on snow and not moving. And I just had like a really weird feeling about it. And so I decided to bail, um, which means that I got to run speed goat. And I don't know, thinking about my goals for the summer and like if I wanted to try to run this 200 miles and see how it went and like potentially put myself in a hole for CCC or maybe like put a little bit more focus on races. I just realized like I really want to race and this trail is going to be there till the day I die and past then. So I definitely don't need to rush to run 200 miles. And again, I think it was sort of illustrative of a pretty mature approach to life and to sport, even if it maybe didn't feel like that in the moment. But yeah, when one door closes, another door open, that being speed goat, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, I felt like that was a, a pretty important post and a pretty important lesson of just sort of like, sometimes your instinct is what you have to follow. And maybe that shows up in having weird dreams or your Achilles flaring up. And ultimately it feels like, yeah, it's the right thing for you to do now. But also listening to that instinct of, hey, this 200 mile trail does get me excited. I would love to run home from Tuolumne Meadows, like, you know, an athlete of your talent and at your age, like, yeah, you've got millions of opportunities to do that. So save it for another time. Going back in time a little bit more, you said you're from Reading. Give us a sense of sort of like what your childhood was like, your interaction with the outdoors, your relationship to sport, things like that. Yeah. Um, so I grew up playing soccer and I played soccer like on a traveling team, probably from the time I was like five or six until my sophomore year of high school. So that was like the main sport that I did. But just my connection to the outdoors. Like my parents took me backpacking, like before I could walk, my dad would take me on backpacking trips, like in the Sierras, like once a week, um, or for an entire week every summer. And so I guess just like walking around the woods with my parents, Reading isn't the, it's a very pretty place, um, but it's really hot, but there's great access to, um, the outdoors. And then, yeah, I started running in eighth grade. I ran track. So tell us a little bit about your running journey. You mentioned at the very beginning of our podcast that there was a period of time where you hated running. So maybe just paint the the, the arc of your your story with running, how you ended up in trail running, and then maybe we'll come back and talk about that, that dark period. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started running track in eighth grade. Um, I got last every single race. I ran the 800 and then high school started and they were like, ah, she's slow. Uh, we'll put her in the mile and two mile. And I still wasn't doing very well, but there's actually a girl that I ran with. Um, and she, one day she made a comment. She's like, Helen's never going to beat me. And then after that, I got really good at running. <laughs> really? And was that the motivator? You've got no, it. No, that was it. <laughs> it turns out I could have run faster. <laughs> um, so I ran all of high school. I had so much fun. Like my team was awesome. My coaches were awesome. We got to run on a bunch of different trails, like weekend runs. I would run with some of the guys at a different high school and we would just get to go like do fun trail runs. Um, and then I ran for the University of Nevada for college. I ran track and cross country there. And I... Really, I feel like this is a story we're hearing all the time now. Like I ran in college, I didn't do well. Like I was really burnt out. I didn't like running. And it's funny, actually, the last time I was in Utah running, it was the Mountain West Conference Championships. And it was my junior year and I quit on the bus ride home. Really? Um, yeah. So it's funny because this is a theme on the podcast, Helen, like just off the top of my head, you, Ali McLaughlin, Danny Moreno, Ruth Croft, like even Adam Peterman all ran collegiately. And I think had 
big ambitions for themselves, but for one reason or another, didn't really enjoy their college experience or weren't in a position to really thrive as athletes. Tell us, tell us a little bit. Yeah. Me, the whole reason why is my intentions with it weren't aligning with my values. And I think that's, I mean, when you're 17 and 18, I think it's hard to know what those were, but at the time, I think that the reason why I was running and they're like, it wasn't, I just don't think they were pure intentions. I think it was because I felt like I was wrapped up in that identity and feeling like I had to prove that I was fast or that I was good at running. And so I think a lot of ego was involved with it of, I want to run D1 and I want to be good and not out of the joy and the love. And I think that's why I was wildly unsuccessful and why I was injured all the time. And I never actually ran that fast. Dude, I cannot tell you how poignant and timely this is for me at this particular moment in my life of, you know, struggling with that identity crisis and needing to reconnect with the good intentions and the why of why I get out the door every day, because it's definitely changing. And yeah, I don't know. I think it is just like an important thing to understand what a massive performance improvement it is to have good intentions with your running and how much of an anchor it is on your performance and on your health in general when you're doing things for the wrong reasons, which makes me want to talk about yoga with you. Again, I don't know that much about you, but I know that you're a yoga instructor and I sense that, you know, the philosophy of that practice kind of permeates your life. Can you tell us a little bit about yoga and your journey with that practice? Yeah. So I actually started doing yoga when I was in high school. Um, my cross country coach, she's like, Helen, you need to stretch. Like you are going to get hurt. Like you need to do something outside of running. And so I won a local 5k, um, and I won a membership to the YMCA for my whole family. And so I started going to yoga through that. And then my senior year of high school, I didn't have classes for the first two periods. And so I was able to go to yoga And then when I went to UNR, I started doing yoga um, at one of the studios downtown. And then I kind of realized like, I want to be able to like share this with people. And so it was between my freshman and sophomore years of college, I got certified uh, to be a yoga teacher in Santa Cruz. I got to live with my aunt that summer and it was so much fun. And then yeah, I started teaching pretty much right after that. And so I've been teaching yoga, I guess, since 2015 and 2016. Yeah. And it's been awesome. It's fun to see kind of like how it is with running, like how that practice has changed throughout my life and how different seasons of life change what kind of yoga I've been doing. Yeah. So what does the practice look like for you now? How often are you doing yoga and and any profound or important asanas you'd like to encourage the audience to do? Yeah, well, so actually a few, I guess it was two years ago, I found kundalini yoga at um, Palisades. There was a free class in a meadow and it was awesome. And I would say that that has been one of the practices that's changed my life the most. It is a lot less about like, I guess the asanas or the movements of your body. And it's more of like connecting the breath. And uh, so I don't do kriyas usually last 40 days and you do the same kriya every day for 40 days to get a specific outcome. Um, I have don't typically do that. I have kind of taken things that I want on my own. So I have like a little five to 10 minute practice that I do most mornings. Can you talk a bit about the joy of teaching? Because I think, you know, that's probably an instinct that a lot of people who've been touched by yoga have of like, I want to share this with somebody. You actually just said that like, oh, I want to share this people. Can you talk about that instinct and the impact that teaching the practice to others has had on you? Oh, it's, I feel like more than anything, like it's brought me so much joy, like being able to share it. And like, I feel like I learned so much from my students and like 
just seeing the ways that they're able to show up, like it's deeply inspiring to me. And I feel like I'm always learning stuff as a teacher. I don't know. It's, it's been awesome. And it's fun because for a long time, I guess like I don't typically practice the same yoga that I teach, which I I found interesting. Mm. Um, Like I, I would love to go to my own class. Like that's why I created it. But at the same time, that's like not the practice that I do every day. Anything you want to say? Cause like, so my, my brother is a yoga professional. He's been teaching since we were kids, you know, for 20 plus years at this point. And I've never had like a really consistent practice, but like through my relationship with him and through the experience that I've had with yoga, like I can get it. You know, I have an appreciation for why like trail running people kind of like fall into it and develop community around it. And it sort of becomes part of their personal identity and one of the most important things in their lives. And I think part of it is like that mind body connection and that peace and tranquility that you can cultivate. It's similar to like, you know, what we find on the trails Anything you want to say about like how, what yoga's taught you about like how to be more grounded or a more high performing athlete or anything like that on the trails specifically? Like how has it supported your running? Yeah. Well, so part of it is in certain Kriyas and Kundalini, you have to hold your arms up above your head for like seven to 13 minutes. And I just don't know that there is an ultra that it could be that hard. <laughs> Really, really want to quit. And you're like, oh, I can't. Like, my arms have to stay above my head. Um, and I think the other thing is, I call it empty brain. And during Kundalini, that's one of the few times that I feel like I get empty brain. There's just like not a thought in there. And you just like don't want to move and you just want to sit in that. And I feel like there's been times where I'm able to find that in running or just like those moments where it's just like pure joy and I just feel like there's nothing that really compares to it you're like I just don't think I could feel any happier presence that's that feeling I think well thanks for sharing that thanks for entertaining me I think you know I've always been compelled with subcultures of all kinds and I think yoga is one of the more fascinating subcultures out there and I know it brings a lot of value into people's lives who practice consistently. And so I know that's a big part of your life and I appreciate you sharing it before we get to your running and stuff, which obviously I really want to learn about. I was texting with Caitlin Gerben, who I know is you've had a relationship with for a little while, but she said you have like four jobs. So outside of like being a yoga instructor, what else are you doing for a living? So, um, that's another thing as I have quit pretty much everything I've ever done. Um, so I have less jobs now. <laughs> um, I mostly right now I'm teaching yoga. Um, and then I work at a doctor's office called Kensha Wellbeing. And I do administrative work there. I get to spin, spin blood in the centrifuge. I write medical orders, super bills. Um, I'm essentially like a lab slash front desk assistant at this doctor's office. So I work there um, most like three days a week and I've really enjoyed it because I feel like it's, I'm always learning stuff. Um, But then I also was working at a local backcountry ski shop until pretty recently. And I think I've worked there four times. So who says I won't work there again? And then I do some administrative work for an answer emails for a gym in town. Does Truckee feel like home to you as somebody who grew up in Reading, who's been there for a little while and who's now making your career in mountain sport? I know like for me, when I was in my mid twenties, I started to feel like a little bit restless and you start to think about like, where do I want to be? And that's actually when my wife and I moved to the Bay area for the first time, we remained restless for a little while, but how do you feel about Truckee being your home base? I love it here. Um, when I moved here, I actually wasn't running. And so then when I started running again, I like, I think I live in one of the best places in the world for trail running. It's insane how many trails there are, like how well it connects. And I, yeah, I love it here. Every time I think I want to move somewhere else, I'm like, okay, so I would live in another ski mountain town that probably has the same problems. Yeah. 
it could be worse and I wouldn't have my sense of community. So yeah, I love it here. Very cool. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by HVMN and the Ketone IQ Supplement. Ketone IQ has become a huge phenomenon in endurance sport in recent years, allowing athletes of all levels to access new levels of performance. It was first adopted in cycling, especially among the professional ranks, but it's now finding its way into the running world, which is awesome and with great success. I recall seeing British ultra star Tom Evans smashing a ketone IQ as he jumped in the raft at the Lucky Chucky River Crossing on his way to victory, the 2023 Western States. Well, if it's good enough for Tom, it's good enough for me. Ketone IQ was invented by HVMN to help athletes of all levels reach their physical potential by boosting cognitive performance. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you know that your brain is key to performing at your best as a runner from fatigue resistance to improved focus and mental clarity. Ketone IQ can give you deeper brain power when the miles and exhaustion start to add up. This is something you really have have to experience to understand so make sure you give ketone iq a try you can save 30 percent off your first subscription order of ketone iq at hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30 again visit hvmn forward slash free trail 30 and subscribe upon checkout for 30 percent off there is a link in the show notes of this episode as well thanks to hvmn so let's talk about your running. I think before we start talking about racing, man, you've been on a heater this year and I can't wait to hear all about it and sort of what you attribute to the breakthrough. But be before we get to some of those results, I'd love to learn more about like your training and stuff. And I think maybe the best place to start this is to go back to the time where you hated running and like how you crawled out of that. Cause I think that might be illustrative or, you know, it may inform the audience as to how they may be able to navigate a similar route. Anything you want to say about that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was pretty much college. I think I was just burnt out. I was running all my easy runs way too fast. Um, I would never run that fast anymore. And yeah, I think I was just tired of like running in the same two places for three years. And so, yeah, I ran the 10K at the Mountain West Conference Championships, quit on the bus ride home. And then I was like, yeah, I'm never going to run again. Like that was it. And I was working at a running shoe store at the time in Reno. And all of my friends there, like were into trail running. Some of them were running ultras. And then one day I was like, yeah, I should run a 50K. And so I'm pretty sure I like put on Strava or something like, does anyone know how to train for one of these? And my old assistant coach from Nevada reached out and he was like, yeah, I can help you. Um, I'll help you write a training plan and we'll figure this out. And his name is Rick Floyd. He's still my coach now. Okay. Um, and so I ran the Sierra Crest 50K, which is actually up in Truckee um, the day before my 22nd birthday. So it was 2018. And I remember I ran, I fit, I won, I crossed the finish line. I sat down, I started crying and I was like, I, my feet hurt so bad. I don't know about this. Um, and then after that, I moved up to Truckee and I just stopped running. I think it was like, I was working at a coffee shop. And so I had really early hours and I was like, I'm like done finding like running serious and having training. And so oh, originally I was like, Oh, I'll just run like two miles, three days a week. I'll be super casual about it. And then I realized I can't really do that. Um, I don't know how to have a casual relationship with running. And so I pretty much just quit altogether. Like we had a really big winter that year and I was like, I'm not going to run in the snow. Um, and then I just didn't really start running again for until April of 2020. So what was, I mean, that was exactly when COVID happened. So maybe I'm answering my own question, but like, what was the light bulb for you to like put, tie your shoes for the first time again? I think a big part of it was I was like really deep in my yoga practice at that time. Like I was going to yoga like every day. That was where I found my sense of community and Truckee outside of running since I wasn't like that was what I was finding my joy in. 
And then that just went away. And I was like, I still need to figure out like a way to move my body and to like find that mental peace. And so I texted Rick and I was like, Hey, I feel like maybe I should start running again. I was like, what, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, that, that'd probably be good. Um, and so I got back into it and I was doing like run walks, I think for like a month. And I was like, oh yeah, this is why quitting running sucks. Like <laughs> it never gets easier. It's so hard. Um, it's so true. Like, I just ran for the first time in 10 days today and did three miles at like nine minute pace or whatever. But still I got home and I was like, oh. Running's just the best. You know, I was out for 30 minutes and came home and I was just like, oh, I love this. But also, yeah, it does hurt to start over again. Yeah, it does. 10 days isn't. isn't 10 days is nothing either, especially, you know, 10 days after a hundred milers. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, I just started running with friends. Like I started finding trails. I, a lot of my friends were running up mountains and so I ran up like Mount Talak for the, which is the local mountain that I never, that was the first mountain I had ever run up. And I was like, wait, this is fun. Like you guys kind of get to run slow. You get to walk, like you get to eat a lot of snacks. Like this is great. And I get to spend time with my friends. The best thing ever. So yeah. give us a little bit more insight into training. You mentioned Rick, your coach now a couple of times, and I think you said he was one of your coaches in college. So I'd love to hear like how you guys work together. And especially given the fact that he's probably kind of like a track and cross country specialist, how you guys have learned together, how to train specifically for the trails. Cause you've obviously had a lot of success. Yeah. So Rick actually has a history in triathlon. That's what he was competing in. And then yeah, I was our assistant coach at UNR, but was really big into mountain running. And I remember there was a loop and we called it the bench loop at UNR and it was like eight miles and he had 800 feet of gain. And we would be like, that is the hilliest thing that's ever existed. We can't run that. We're going to be tired. And Rick would always try to be like, okay, guys, like we can run up hills. And we're like, no, there's no way. Um, and so I feel like really like Rick just understands me very well. And I think that's based off of like the relationship that we've had. And I think it like, so he's also MK Sullivan's coach. I was going to ask, I was going to ask if you and MK had a connection too, given the fact that she coached at UNR also. Yeah, we were actually teammates at UNR. She was the first person that I ever met there. Um, yeah, I had my official visit and I stayed at her house. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And so it's funny, like if you look at her training and you look at my training, if Rick told me to go do like 1k repeats or mile repeats, I would say, um, absolutely not. Like <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And so I think, and he, I think he knows to not ask me to, um, but I think something that we've talked about a lot is that like happiness breathe success in life and in sport. And so like my training is really geared towards obviously like running well, but most importantly, being happy about it. Like, I think there's two ways to train it's to be as fast as you can and to really, really enjoy training. And I think we definitely go with the second one just because I'm spending so much time running. Like I need to enjoy it. Yeah. It's yeah. It's so incredibly important and also almost impossible to get right. You know, and this is something I've spoken about on the podcast a million times because I've been in the sport for a long time now. And I always notice this pattern of like, it was never like when I was training the hardest and theoretically at my fittest that I performed my best. It was always when like my personal life was clicking. It felt like I was moving in the right direction. I was excited about the things that I had going on. And that like allows you to access a different level of performance, a different level of energy that ultimately allows you to reach your potential as a person. Anything you want to say about like how, like one of the things I've always said to characterize this is like training for a state of mind rather than a state of fitness. Anything, yeah. anything you want to say about like how you've learned to put yourself in that emotional place to race at your best rather than the physical fitness place? 
Yeah. I mean, I think a, a big part of like, especially what you were just saying, like with things clicking, I picked up Nordic skiing, like Nordic skate skiing this winter. And it's like a silly thing, but you find your glide. And I feel like I've implemented that into my life. It's just like when you find glide in your life, like you just get to move through it. Like you can struggle through it and you might be okay. But like the only way you're going to be able to keep up with those 55 year old women and not be gassed is if you find your glide. (laughs) Yes. Find your glide flow state. Um, Now I'm curious, because you said, like, if you look at my training, you look at MK's training, like, I'm not doing 1K repeats. Does that mean Rick, being the mature, smart coach that he is, who's coaching the person rather than, you know, a computer knows that, like, he needs to train you a different way than MK? Like, is MK doing the 1K repeats? (laughs) Yes, she is. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like, Rick can try to trick me into running fast. He's like, yeah, it's just, like, five by three minutes. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I could do that. And then I'm like running in. I was like, wait, this is 800 repeats. <laughs> so I just kind of have to get tricked. Um, but no, I think Rick just understands me well and understands that like we're, we're people first. Yeah. Like, was there a moment where at the risk of asking you maybe like a, an embarrassing question, like was there a moment when you realized like, I'm actually good at this and where you consciously decided this is something I really want to take seriously. Yeah. um, So I have so much unwavering self-belief. I mean this like in a positive way, but I might be a little bit delusional. Um, I, (laughs) it was 2021 where I started racing again and I ran like I'd run two 50 Ks I ran the one in 2018 and then I ran one like the summer of 2021 and I signed up for Castle Peak 100K and I was number 210 on the wait list. And I was like, man, like I really want to run this race. Like there's no way I'm going to get in. And I somehow had the audacity to email the race director and be like, hey, so I think that I can win your race. I think that your course record is a little soft. Um, and so I think you should let me in. And he was like, probably like, who is this girl? Like, <laughs> But he let me in and it worked and I won. So, so man, see, this is so interesting now, Helen, because like, you know, we've been talking about yoga and sort of like the mind body connection, the importance of finding your glide. And part of that is like, believing in yourself. I'm wondering about like the nature versus nurture aspect of that. Like, how have you been able to cultivate belief in yourself? And also like, before we get to some of these breakthrough performances that you've had, like, how is your view of yourself in the greater context of the trail running community and sport at the professional ranks? How's that evolved, especially in the last 12 months? Um, yeah, I'd say like the self-belief I, I don't really know where it came from. Like, I, I remember like I had a moment where I just felt like I'm going to be really good at trail running. Like, I feel like I can be great at this. And I, once again, had raced two fifty Ks and I had nothing to back that up. And I just like had this feeling. And so I guess that's like going back to what we talked about with like intuition. I don't know like why or how or like, any of that's going to work out, but like, I just have this feeling. So, so interesting. And yeah, intuition is another thing that I talk about on the show all the time. That's so important to tune into. So then my next question is like, you know, it seems like an athlete of your background, right. Who's raced at a high level collegiately, the track, you know, you could excel in a number of different sort of trail running applications and the sport is so varied at this point. And it seems like at least at this point in your career, you're really focusing on kind of the mountain races like Broken Arrow and Speed Goat and CCC, all of which we'll talk about here in a bit. Have you thought about like what motivates you and is there a reason why you're sort of targeting those types of races right now as opposed to you know, the flatter, faster races, like whatever, Miwok or Tarawera or Ultra Trail Australia or Western States, things like that? 
Yeah, well, Rick and I joke that I don't actually like running. I like jogging. Um, and so if you run faster races, you're actually running like the whole time. Um, I ran the marathon at Lake Sonoma in April and I was like, oh, this is a running race. Like there's, I didn't actually hike once, (laughs) which is funny because like outside of running, I actually really don't like hiking. Um, but I think the reason why is it's like that feeling that you get yeah, when you have to, it makes me think of speed go to like mile 20 or 21. It's just like super, super steep uphill. And it's just really the try hard that you have, like your legs can only move so fast going up that, but like, it's just how willing you are to put yourself like in that place of suffering where you're like, I just have to try harder. Um, and I don't know, I feel like all of the really like hilly races like broken arrow is such a beautiful course like speed goat i had never been to snowboard it's so pretty even like ccc last year like the whole time i feel like i was running around with my mouth open being like what like this exists and i get to be here and i think like that's the big reason um that i've been choosing those races it's just they're really fun and they're in beautiful places um i did run uh, by Argentina or in Argentina by UTMB. And that was a pretty runnable race. It was like 10 K over in an 80 K. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think that ties back to what we were just talking about too, of just like enjoying what you do and the positive performance benefits that come about when that's the case, you know, when you are running CCC, you know, and buying the view the entire way, it's easier to perform at your best rather than you know, slogging out 800 meter repeats on the track or whatever. So I want to talk about, you know, you've mentioned your coach now a bunch of times. I want to talk about Caitlin Gerben too, because then use this as an opportunity to talk about the North Face Athlete Development Program, which sort of pairs athletes like you, hyper-talented, young, lesser experienced athletes with people who are more established. Caitlin Gerben, you know, even though she's dealt with a lot of bad luck with injury in the last couple of years, undisputably one of the most badass female mountain athletes in the world between, you know, what she does as an ultra runner, alpinist, you know, climber, ski mountaineer, et cetera. I'd love to hear what you've learned from Caitlin. And like, if you could talk about that development program in general, like how it's allowed you to like be this, come from being sort of like an unknown athlete on the circuit to now like winning big races. Yeah. Caitlin is great. And like, I'm so thankful for the time that she's taken to like, honestly, like spend time with me and to teach me things. Like I got to go visit her up in Washington, um, after Argentina, we went to ski Mount St. Helens and like go on a bunch of bike rides and some hikes. And that was when I was still planning on doing the Tahoe Yosemite trail And so she shared spreadsheets with me, like gear that I should absolutely have. And I feel like more than that too, like, I don't know, Caitlin, just like the way that she moves through life, I think is just really inspiring. And um, one of the really big takeaways that I actually had from us hanging out was um, she does, she calls them rotisseries and I started calling them rotisserie chickens. And it's essentially just like mobility and strength, but it only takes 10 minutes. Um, and so I've been like implementing that and I have a star chart now. And I feel like that's the only way that I can actually like stay consistent with that stuff is like, Oh, I got my little gold star. I did my rotisserie <laughs> for the day. I feel like this is like things outside of running specifically that she's like really given me a lot of insight about. So describe the rotisserie because now I'm very, I'm very <laughs> curious, like, because it sounds like the exact thing that I need to build into my program. It sounds way more fun than it is, which I think helps, but it's literally like you're on your back. You do like two different exercises for like 30 seconds. Then you turn to your side, you do like the same thing in your stomach and then your other side, and then you completed a rotisserie. <laughs> So I get it. So it's like, you're, you're turning around like a rotisserie. Yeah. You're just turning around on like a yoga mat, but I feel like 
it's kind of hard when it's like, oh, my mobility stuff is going to take me like 30 minutes or an hour. Like I get really overwhelmed by that. And so just breaking it into like, oh, if I do two rotisseries, that's 10 minutes is way better than doing nothing. Totally. Well, on behalf of the trail running community, I demand that you and Caitlin Gerben create a YouTube video about how you execute these rotisseries <laughs> and share them with us so that those of us who struggle with discipline and in finding the time um, can also... It's really the star chart. That's the star that's chart, too. I'll put it on my, my blank white wall behind me. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition and their branch chain amino acid drink mix, the product I use more than any other in my day-to-day life. The BCAA drink mix is part of my morning routine every day before I get out the door for training. I smash a serving of this delicious and essential amino acid combination. Gnarly BCAAs provide a vegan trifecta of leucine, isoleucine, and valine, which research suggests work together to increase protein synthesis and muscle growth to keep you strong and healthy on the trails. Research also shows that if consumed in the 20 to 30 minutes before exercise and even during longer training sessions, BCAAs and leucine in particular can help minimize muscle protein breakdown, thus reducing post-exercise soreness and speeding recovery between training sessions. I swear I can feel the difference in my strength, recovery, and general energy levels when I have my BCAAs and when I don't. And in all the conversation about carbohydrates and protein and calories per hour, I feel like BCAAs often get lost in the mix, even though they are by definition essential. Don't skimp on the essentials. Pick up a can of the gnarly BCAAs at gonarly.com and use code freetrail15. Gonarly.com, use code freetrail15. Um, so obviously I want to talk about these freaking races you've been doing this season. And, and maybe before we get to this season, let's start with CCC last year, which you know, from what I can gather on the internet was probably, you know, like your biggest international stage at that point in your career coming in as a relatively green 25 year old finishing 13th, a solid result. I'm sure you have bigger goals for CCC this year, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but maybe tell us about that experience at CCC last year. What'd you learn and what do you think you can improve? Yeah, I learned so much. Like that was the second hundred K that I had ever run. And I think just even figuring out like logistics of international travel and like when to get somewhere and like they're kind of, I realized there kind of is a difference or there doesn't have to be, but I think for it to go well for me, um, there's a difference between vacation and going somewhere for a race. Um, and so I was like traveling around a bunch before, like running was kind of difficult. Cause I was like, Oh, now I'm in like this random town in the middle of France. And like, I'm taking a bus to maybe find a trail here. Um, and so I'm definitely going to do that differently this year. And I decided I should learn how to run with poles. I feel like I was one of the only people that did not run with them. And I remember after the race, I was like, man, I don't need to get faster at running. I need to get faster at hiking. Like this is some of like the, like, so steep and technical, but like beautiful running that I've ever done. And so, yeah, it was just such a fun day. I, I had never run a race where I got to spend so much time with people that I was running with. And so I made friends that I will hopefully have forever. Like during that, like you run with someone for five hours and you're like, Oh, like we're great friends now. (laughs) I feel like that part was really fun. And like getting to race until like the very end was a really cool experience. Were you satisfied? Because, you know, it seems like, you know, you've got self-belief, you set big goals for yourself, 25 finishing 13th at CCC is a solid result. I mean, it's a solid result for somebody of any age and any experience level, but I'm wondering if you were satisfied with that and, and what specifically, you know, you're doing to, to, uh, you know, take the next step. Yeah. So I ran 1308 and my goal was to run between 13 hours and 13 and a half hours. So I ran right in there. Um, I remember finishing and being like, this is so silly. Like I spent all my time, all my energy, to feel like this, it's like, what? 
And I was like, ah, I don't want to run that race again. And then then literally the next day I was like, yeah, so I think I could have run it faster. (laughs) Um, I think this has like been a big lesson in my life. It's like being grateful and just like so thankful for where you're at and what you have done, but also recognizing that like there's more for you. And so I think that was one of those experiences. Like I, I like, I wouldn't go back and have it go another way. I feel like I learned what I needed to learn, but at the same time, like, yeah, I think I can run faster. Hell yeah. All right. So let's talk about this season. Does it feel that you've had a bit of a breakthrough? I mean, just, we'll maybe go through the races individually, but just for the listeners, you won that race in Argentina that you just mentioned, you won Broken Arrow 46K, and then you just won Speed Goat and ran like a sick fast time, like what I think is the course record at, on the course. So maybe before we get to those races individually, does it make sense to you like why you've had this breakthrough this year? Yeah, so I feel like last year, um, it was a big season for me learning what I enjoy in racing and what I don't. So like I trained for a road marathon through winter and I ran that. And honestly, like, I think that just kind of sucked the joy a little bit. Um, I don't really like running on roads, which I kind of knew. Um, And I don't like paying attention to how fast I'm running, which is pretty much all of marathon training. Um, And then after that, I did a couple of uphill races, which I realized I also don't like, um, that's just redlining the whole time. (laughs) Like, Ooh, I don't, I don't think this is my favorite. Um, and so I feel like I just learned a lot about what I enjoy in racing. And I feel like I've applied that to my race season this year and just listening to myself and like what races are making me really excited And so that's kind of how I picked my race schedule. It's like, what am I stoked on? And I feel like because of that, like you were saying with the internal state, like, because I'm so excited and so stoked about these, I feel like that's what is making, like helping me run well. Because I don't think my training's really changed that much, if at all. Yeah, interesting. And like, obviously gathering experience has benefits too, just kind of learning how to race and your body just understanding what it's getting into as you jump into more of these call it like 50 to 80 K distance events, maybe like tell us a little bit about Argentina. And then I want to focus on broken arrow and especially speed goat, but what about Argentina, how that opportunity come about and how do you think you performed? Um, honestly, I ran in Argentina because, so I wanted to run Leadville, um, but I didn't get in through the lottery. And so I was like, okay, I'll run CCC again. And I was like, how do I get in? And, Cause that's a whole thing. Yeah. So I actually ran the, I tried to run, um, the Mexico race in October to get my running stones, but I fell like five miles in and they thought I broke my ankle. Um, I didn't, I just sprained it really badly. So I was like, okay, that didn't work. I have to figure out another way to get into a, a race. Um, and so, I realized from Mexico that my main reason for running a race cannot be to qualify for another race because it's not like the universe said, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of run canyons is like pretty close to my house, like an hour. Um, but my only reason for running that would have been to qualify for CCC. And so I decided to find a race that fit with my schedule that I was really excited about. And that was Argentina. And I had so much fun. Like the, the course was awesome. Uh, it was a fun point to point that I feel like had kind of everything you'd be on a dirt road and all of a sudden the flagging would go like straight to the right where there wasn't a trail. Like you're just like running through drainage. It was so fun. Um, and the people in Argentina, like I have never been met with like so much kindness and helpfulness by like just random people. It was, it was just what a fun experience. Rad. So then Broken Arrow, which was probably what six or eight weeks after Argentina, you'd gotten your CCC qualification out of the way and you're racing on home trails more or less there in Palisades Tahoe. And you posted something, I think it was like on your Strava about like, you know, just being willing to suffer more than 
the other women in the race. And from what I recall, it was a pretty close finish. And that's where I really heard your name for the first time. So maybe talk about Broken Arrow, any learnings there? And especially if you want to share anything about like just being willing to suffer. Yeah, um, that was actually a text that Rick sent me the day before. He was like, just go have fun and be more willing to suffer. That's that's what'll bring you there. Um, I ran on a lot of snow this year. And so when everyone was like, this is going to be the snowiest course, it's like 70% covered in snow. I was like, heck yeah. Like I'm stoked for this. I like running on snow because it's just funny. Like it's not what you could do. You're just like kind of sliding around. Um, yeah, that was actually like a really interesting experience for me in a race because I feel like a lot of the times when I've run races, it's like, this is the hardest thing I've done. And broken arrow was the first time that I raced. And like, I think I tried hard, but it, it didn't come close to anything that was like the hardest thing I had done, which was like a very interesting experience to have. Um, but I had a lot of fun. I really liked the slide down Shirley. Yeah. And, and probably just like another really big, like confidence booster of like, man, I'm really onto something here. Like I can be very good at this. I mean, broken arrow is a world-class event and, uh, yeah, taking home a victory and, and especially like in a fairly close finish there, you'll probably remember more than I, but I think like the women's podium was pretty close together there in the 46 K. I think I, it, the next person was Lindsay McDonald and I think I beat her by like eight minutes. Yeah. So anyway, it wasn't like a complete blowout, but like, yeah, just like a, a great data point of, I, I'm really, really on to something here and. Not not just competing to be on the podium here at Broken Arrow, but I'm actually winning the race. And so, like, then you bail based on serendipity and instinct and in intuition on your 200 mile adventure, which opened up the door for Speedgoat, one of the hardest 100Ks in the world. I've done it a couple of times. It's absolutely smashed me both times. And yeah, you take home another victory there and ran what was it like 609 on the Spigo course? So really, 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 really fast. I'd love to hear kind of like after the door closed on the 200 mile Tuolumne to Tahoe adventure, like psychologically, how did you approach the race and, and what goal did it serve in your season as you've built towards CCC? Yeah. So I think, um, as far as like building towards my goals, it has a somewhat similar course profile to CCC of like the up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, so we're going to use it as a training race to just like try to have like a long day with a lot of vert where I didn't have to carry all of my snacks. Um, yeah, just going into it, it's a, it's a race that I've wanted to do for a while. I remember hearing about it and I've heard that it's just like a steeper, more technical, higher elevation, longer broken arrow. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that sounds like fun. That sounds like something I want to do. Um, it was just, yeah, so hard, but it's one of those things that when I like get to that place of like, you, you think in your head, like, this is so hard. And my next thought is like, well, yeah, that's what you wanted. I think that's what you asked for. Yeah. So now with that type of result, breaking the course record at Speed Goat, a race that's been around for a long time and that like some of the greats have run and won, you know, now you got CCC in front of you. And I don't know, I guess I asked this earlier, but you know, you're at an interesting point in your career where you know, you've got the world ahead of you, you know? And so like maybe the bigger challenge is like just being where you are now. Anything you want to say about just like, you know, your career progression to this point and now with these amazing performances and accolades and trophies that you've accumulated, especially this season, like how you're thinking about yourself in the greater context of the sport? and your goals for the future? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things too, like not having expectations because sometimes I feel like 
that confines you to like your perception of what can be possible. And sometimes that's not big enough. Like if you had asked me, I don't know, five years ago, if I would be like running this well, I'd be like running what? Like, what do you mean? I don't run anymore. And so I think it's one of those things that it's like, I, I just trust that like whatever is meant for me will come. And like, I'm just excited. I know that I love running and I know that I love nothing more than it that and so like for now that's exactly just what I want to be doing I love it thanks for saying that so what has it been like a week since see or since speed goat maybe a little bit more than that I'm sure you've kind of been recovering but I mean if we're being honest we're like four weeks out from one of the biggest races in the world you know CCC kind of sits in the shadow of UTMB but one of the things we talked about during UTMB week a bunch last year was that CCC was like almost as deep, almost as dense, almost as competitive as UTMB, the main race. So with four weeks to go, what does training look like? How do you put yourself in the right physical and mental space to take on that beast of a hundred K again? Yeah. I mean, I'll have like some bigger volume weeks, um, just some longer days, but That's also something that I joke about with Rick. If I show up to a race ready to run or not physically, like that's honestly none of my business. Um, I did everything I was supposed to do. Like if I'm not physically ready, that's on Rick. Yeah. Come on coach. (laughs) Yeah. Like that was, that was your planning, not mine. Um, so I mean, quite honestly, I think it's been like really beneficial for me need to not really think about my training and like, Oh, am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Like, I just don't really worry myself with that. Like I just go on my runs and have a nice time. Awesome. Well, Helen, it's been awesome to get to know you a little bit. I feel like, you know, we're kindred spirits in a lot of ways. I started super young myself and have also struggled with, you know, the, the moments of hating running and also like have always been focused on those intangible things. And I think you're, you're wise beyond your years and obviously clearly, clearly talented. And I can't wait to continue following your career, including coming up here at CCC. I've got a couple closing questions that I do with everybody here on the podcast. The first is who is one person that you admire it can be inside or outside of sport. It could be living or dead. And why is it that you admire that person? Yeah. Um, so I feel like I find a lot of like my admiration and inspiration from people that I surround myself with. And so, uh, Harrison Beal is someone that I really admire. He's not in trail running. He's a, uh, cyclist. And the reason why is because I feel like sport is so inherently selfish. Like it's very self-serving and it's like, Oh, come to these countries and like hand me things or like all the volunteers, like it's just all about us. And I've struggled with like trying to find a way to be able to make it something outside of me. And I feel like Harrison, someone that I look up to with that, um, he started an event called Pedal for Positivity and his friend committed suicide in Truckee um, in December at Donner Lake. And so instead of in biking is, so his name was Joe Fazio and he's who brought biking into Harrison's life. And so to kind of honor that, but also make a difference, Harrison started Pedal for Positivity, which he's riding up and down Donner Summit 56 times, which is about 60,000 feet of gain on a road bike to help raise money, um, to create a fund for mental health. So like anyone in Truckee could pull from it with the ultimate goal of being able to hire a therapist with that money to pay their annual salary. So anyone in this community could go to therapy essentially for free if they need it. And I feel like that's something that like, I guess just really inspires me is figuring out ways that we can take this inherently selfish thing, but use it to like serve our community and like really make a difference in people's lives. That is beautiful. Shout out to Harrison. Pedal for positivity. If I Google it, will I be able to find the link? Yeah. And he's partnering with a nonprofit in town, High Fives. um, And there's an Instagram page called Pedal for Positivity. 
Well, I'll, I'll find it on the internet and I'll post it in the show notes for those who want to get involved or make a donation. And if I can't find it, I'll hit you up for the appropriate links. But <laughs> Helen, final question for you. What is one truth that you've learned about yourself or about life in general through your participation in sport? Living life in alignment with my values. I feel like sport has really highlighted that for me, like what we talked about with college and it not going that well and maybe not having that alignment. And then now I feel like I am, I'd like to think that I'm doing a pretty good job of living in alignment with those values of like chasing joy and doing things for what feels like the right reason to me. I think that's something that sport has showed me. Amazing. Well, Helen, Again, it's been a joy to chat with you. It's been a joy to get to know you. I'm excited to share the podcast with everybody, with the audience. I'm sure you're going to earn a lot of new fans and we'll be cheering for you at CCC. Thanks, Dylan. Helen Redcloud, so fun to have her on the show. Sky is the limit for Helen, no question about it. I love the point about having good intentions with our running young Helen bestowing wisdom on this grizzled veteran, even though it's supposed to be the other way around. (laughs) Helen is still a lesser known quantity on the circuit, so go give her some support. Follow her on Instagram, send her a DM of good luck for CCC. I put a link to her profile here in the show notes. I also link to the Pedal for Positivity, the mental health fundraiser uh, for Helen's home community there in Truckee, California that she mentioned at the end of the episode. Go make a donation if you feel so compelled. Free Trail Pro members, let me know what you think. Let's keep the conversation going over in Slack. Appreciate your feedback as always. And like I said in the intro, if you're a non-member, you're missing out. Join our great community and support Free Trail in the process. You can find links to join Free Trail Pro here in the show notes as well. A big thank you to our sponsors, Speedland, runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 on any of their amazing footwear options. Gnarly Nutrition, gonarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off these great nutrition products in HVMN. Get 30% off your first subscription to the Ketone IQ supplement by visiting hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. We'll talk to you again very soon. Love you. Bye. Bye.